0: I don't know how many of you have had um, the experience of, of renting a car in a foreign city. Um, and when I mean foreign, I mean like L.A., like, like unfamiliar, right? Uh, yeah. Anything different, right? You, you go into an airport and you get off the airport completely disoriented to what direction is what. And if it's dark, it's even worse. And you get to the rental car company and you rent the car and you, you, you get out on this road. And you may be in a place where the side of the road is the opposite of what you're used to, or, or maybe the signs are in a different language, or maybe it's just crazy busy, and all the locals know exactly where they're going except for you, and you're the yahoo in the left lane not knowing where you're going, and, and you're trying to find your way somewhere, right? And so there are all these different places that don't have like mountains and things like that to orient yourself to. Um, Here, here's one picture of a, a, a helpful intersection. Like, where do you go? Like, what are you doing there? Like, I don't even know which way is left and right and straight and, and who goes what, you just kind of work your way through. And then if you go to somewhere that is, is just a completely different language, you've got signs like this to deal with. And so do you go left or do you go right? I recognize one thing on that sign, and it's 1.5 km. And because I'm American, I don't even know what km means. So you can, you can go right and get 1.5 kilometers somewhere, right? I don't know where. But we get to these places where we're navigating and we get to this fork in the road and we have to go left or we have to go right. And this decision is is in front of us. And hopefully we have something like a KM to be able to navigate to give us some sort of idea of which which direction to go. But we're standing at these crossroads uncertain of what is next. And so when you arrive at this fork in the road, which way do you go? Do you go left or do you go right? We're in this series looking at the promises of God. This is our last Sunday looking at the promises. And like we talked about week one, we're not going to be able to get to all 600 and something promises of God. We focused in on six of them. And so we've looked at promises like like new life. The promises of faithfulness, the promises of ministry, the promises of blessings, the promises of guidance. And today we look at God's promise of freedom. If you would be turning to Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, there's some of these Bibles in the the pews in front of you. If you need a Bible, you're welcome to take one of these. We're going to be on page uh, 206. Um, but if you, if you need a Bible or know of somebody who needs a Bible, please take one of these as our gift to you. To you. We've got plenty of them. Please take them. But as we look at um, Deuteronomy and, and look at uh, the story here, the book of Deuteronomy is presented as this sermon by Moses to the people of Israel. And so they're camped on the far side of the Jordan River. They're looking over the river at this promised land. They're anticipating crossing over into this land that has been promised to them. That The people have never been there. A few spies have gone in, and that's all. And so they don't know what the land of Canaan is really like. It's a foreign land to them. They haven't even lived in a settled area because they've been wandering for 40 years. An entire generation has passed. And here they are wandering in the desert, wandering in the wilderness, and they get to the banks of the Jordan, the banks going into this promised land. And Moses is here talking to them. If we're using this tourist metaphor, this is, this is uncharted territory. They're landing into a new place. They're unfamiliar with the terrain. They don't know which way to navigate. They don't know what life in the promised land really looks like. And so Moses is preaching this sermon. And his death is imminent because he's not going into the promised land with everyone else. And at the very climax of this sermon, he puts it very plainly that you are at a fork in the road, that you have a choice to make. Are you going to go left or right? There's only two options. And so let's read together from Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you In the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth, as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is a God of promises. And he is fulfilling his promise here in the giving, of, giving them of this land. But they arrive to, to the, the shores of the Jordan, and they're at a crossroads. There's a fork in the road. A decision has to be made. Will it be a decision for life? Will it be a decision for the blessing? Or will it be a decision for death? And for the curse, one decision is life, receiving the promises of God. The other is death, not receiving what God has promised. And there is no question about which direction Moses wants the people to go. Moses says, choose life. Choose life, he says, so that that your children may live. Choose life so that that you may love the Lord, your God. Choose life so that you can listen to his voice. Choose life so that you can hold fast to him. And so when we look at this this Hebrew word for blessing, it gives this idea of of power of life to to expand, to flourish. That when, when we are blessed by God, there is this expansion, this flourishing. And it's something that's linked exclusively to God. No one can bless you in the way God can bless you. No one can allow you to flourish the way God can allow you to flourish. And of course, in the other direction, we have this word curse, which is is the complete deprivation of blessing. It's, It's to exist without the flourishing that is implied in blessing. To exist without God. And so here the people are presented with this clear choice. They're they're at this fork in the road. There is a choice to be made. There's, There's no alternate option. Not choosing life, not choosing the way of God, not choosing blessing, is to choose the way of death, the way of curse. And it's this choice that we see the promise of freedom. Because there is no freedom without a choice to be made. This is the the choice on which everything else depends. Now this is where the the metaphor of of traveling in a strange place starts to break down. Because if you're traveling in a strange place, you, you go and make one turn and then there's another turn. And then there's another turn, and and you're constantly having to navigate through this step by step. But that's not what's going on here. There is this one choice that is everything. Moses isn't saying that you're going to have choice after choice after choice, difficulty navigating along the way. He's saying that the primary choice of life or death, blessing or curse, is the choice on which everything else lives. It's on this choice that everything else depends. This choice changes everything. Will you choose the way of God, or will you choose the other way? Later on in Judah's history, the scroll of Deuteronomy that we just read from is lost. Lost. And the king Josiah comes and orders a repair of the temple. And and during this construction, they dig up and find this lost scroll. And this lost scroll is, is taken to the king. And the king reads it. And in response to reading this from God, he tears his clothes in an expression of grief. That he and his people have have gone so far away from the way of God. And now he is grieved for him and his people. Jesus reinforces this idea in Matthew chapter 12 where he says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. There's a choice, a fork in the road, a decision has to be made. There's no middle ground, there's no third way offered. After Pentecost, Peter announces to the ruling authorities that we must obey God rather than the human authority. It's God's way or no way. Now we can't trivialize this to say something like, here we have seven steps to a happier life, or here are three secrets to a meaningful life. This is not what Moses is saying here. Deuteronomy and the the Bible as a whole is not a self-help book. It is not a self help book. It's not a personal improvement manual. Moses isn't a life coach. Here, Moses is is talking about the primary decision that defines all that we are will we be God's person or won't we? That's the choice. Moses is telling the people and, and telling us as readers of Deuteronomy that, that there are absolutes in life. There are certain things that are always right and other things that are always wrong. There's, there's clarity and absoluteness about the ways of God. And sometimes we're reluctant to admit that. And yes, there are many things about God that are a mystery. There are things that are unclear to us, and and sometimes we struggle with what direction to go and the decisions to to be made. But in, in many things, there is nothing ambiguous about God's way, especially compared to our way, especially compared to the way of the world. And so for Moses, there is no gray area. There is no fuzziness. Moses' message is strong. Choose life. Choose the way of God. And so there's two, two key words here that show up in this passage that are critical for understanding. The first is this word obedience. Oh, obedience. We don't like that word. Obedience means that I have to listen to somebody else and not be in control and not be my own boss. And so we have this word obedience. We also have this word love. And both of these are linked to blessing. He says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, to keep his decrees and laws. Then, then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you. So obedience is not a popular idea these days. We'd rather keep our options open. We'd rather do our own things. We'd, we'd rather opt for the opposite of obedience, freedom. We want freedom. But the thing is, obedience and freedom are not opposites. They are not two sides of the same coin. They are, are directly connected. And this is where we get to our promise today, is the promise of freedom. The two are connected. And so, as U.S. citizens, for example, we have freedom, but only within the bounds of the Constitution and the laws of the land. But but freedom requires choices and obedience to a set of laws. Now, of course, the political spectrum is going to argue about how many of those laws we need and what those laws need to define— But we have to follow these laws to enjoy our freedom. But as it relates to our life with God, it's different. When we choose the ways of God, when we choose to be obedient to God, we're set free from the guilt, we're we're set free from the shame that comes from our brokenness and our sin. Jesus sets us free from that. And so when we choose the ways of God, we are free to experience life in the kingdom of God in a way that nobody else can experience. That regardless of our external circumstances, regardless of the things that are going on in our lives, regardless of of the brokenness and the darkness and the things around us, we can experience true freedom. We have a promise of freedom, that even if the law of the land, even if this this country completely crumbles around us, we are still free in Jesus Christ. That Paul can be chained in prison and still write about the freedom he has in Christ. That that they can be in prison singing psalms and hymns, singing to God, free as they're chained to a wall. And so whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in that seem like we're chained, to seem like we're bound, to seem like we have no control and no freedom, in Jesus it's the exact opposite. That we are free regardless of the circumstances around us. Preacher and author Eugene Peterson, says Deuteronomy is full of commands. A command is a word that calls us to live beyond what we presently understand or feel or want. Everyone has choices to make. The choices are not trial and error guesses. They are informed by the commands of God. These commands don't restrict a natural freedom. They create the conditions of freedom. As you think of of parenting a young child and you give these commands to them to protect them, they can't see in their short-sightedness how that command actually gives them freedom. And so a command helps us see beyond our present understanding. Our present understanding is, I want this now. But the command helps us see beyond that present understanding. To see God's greatness for us. It creates the condition of freedom. Peterson goes on to say, Commands assume freedom and encourage response. Addressed by commands we are trained in response ability. And so the commands help us to be responsible. The other word, so obedience, the other word is love. And so in Deuteronomy, Moses says that that choosing life and blessing means that his people will love God, that they will love God, they'll walk in God's ways and observe God's commandments. And this love is a two-way street. God's love for us and our love for God. Again, Peterson says, Deuteronomy presents God in a loyal, a committed relationship of love with his people. God is not a random thought. God is not a word to fill in the gaps of what we don't know. God is Actively, energetically dealing with people in love. Love is the key and characteristic word in the book. This love is both God's character and his commands. Because we're under this kind of God, there is no living worth, There is no living worth, the name that is not a participation in that love. We participate in that love. When when Moses uses the word love throughout Deuteronomy, it's always in action. It's always in action. It's never simply a feeling. That God's love is in action when he delivered the Hebrews from Egypt. Israel's love for God and our love for God is an action. It's active. It's it's demonstrated through obedience. It's demonstrated through following God's ways, following God's commandments. And so at some point, we sit. Our engines are idling, and we're staring at these signs, at this fork in the road. Do we turn left, or do we turn right? And there are only two choices— Do we choose God's way, or do we choose the way of death? And here are the driving directions that Moses gives us. Turn on to God's way. It's in that choice, in that decision that we make, in choosing life, in choosing God's way, that we find God's promise of freedom. Let's be standing together. We face this choice. Is God who he says he is? Does God deliver on his promises? Is God faithful? Yes. We make that decision to go the way of God. Now, there are times on our journeys where we hit bumps in the road, that we've made that decision, but we, we get to a point where we kind of forget that decision. <laughs> Or, or we forget those promises. We, we get overwhelmed with the things that are going on around us. We get, we get overwhelmed by our circumstances and our vision gets cloudy. The windshield gets foggy. <laughs> and we can't see clearly the promises of God. And that is where the family of God is so critical. That we stand together together. We walk through life together to help clear up that fog, to remind one another of the promises of God. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer. We'll have um, shepherds down front. You can, you can move around the, pr- the room and, and pray as, as life groups, as family, as friends. Uh, move around the room and pray. Uh, maybe you have not made that decision to go God's way. And today you need to make that decision and you need to confess that decision in front of this family this morning. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Let's pray together in this this time. God, we, we thank you for the promises that you give us. God, thank you for the freedom that is found in you and only through you. God, would you you help us keep our, our minds and our hearts focused on the truth of who you are and encourage us when we fall short of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.